Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. How many of you enjoy reading mysteries? Raise your hand. Okay? Put them down. How many of you do not enjoy reading mysteries? Raise your hand. Okay? Looks like there's more that aren't really pumped about reading mysteries than, than are. Regardless, most of us have a genre of literature or reading that we lean towards. Now, today, whether you like reading mysteries or not, I think you're going to like where we are in our walking through Ephesians and learning how to experience the Christian life in a practical sense. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. If you've not been with us, okay, you can jump in at any point. Go back and look at our series. But we have been walking through Ephesians, and we've been learning what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus about how to live out the Christian life. And when we think of the word mystery, perhaps we think it's providential because of the weekend that we are in and what we're about to happen on Halloween on the 31st. But I want you to know there's one particular definition of mystery that will help us. Here it is in short, very brief. Any truth, truth, that is unknowable except by divine revelation. That's the type of mystery we're going to see in God's Word today in Ephesians chapter 3. Before the Apostle Paul launches into a wonderful prayer, we're going to look at that prayer next week as we continue our series on Ephesians. He makes sure that he sets the stage. And so he backtracks a little bit. He stops. He pauses. He sets time out. And he says, look, this is a mystery. This is a great mystery that Jesus Christ would come and die and rise again for the sake of all Jew and Gentile. For many years, there were those that felt like it was just for the Jewish people, the chosen people. And if you know your church history, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And in this particular church, there were a couple of factions, a few sects that kind of like, okay, we're Jews, you're Gentiles, and we shall never meet. And Paul says, no, 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 no. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and he's saying it is somewhat of a mystery, but by divine revelation, we can understand that Jesus loves all, every tongue, tribe, and nation. And then we're going to find that he says, now, it's amazing that God would call me. I'm an apostle. God called me. 
for a season, for a time, for a purpose, but he reiterates the fact that I'm the least of these. I'm a wretched sinner like we all are and all those that were listening and all that received the letter and all in the church that were saved by the grace of God. And he's saying, I'm still amazed at the grace of God that he would allow me to be in such a position. And if the apostle Paul felt that way, we should all be reminded that we should feel that way today. So here we are, NIV today, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. For this reason, picking up on what we studied last week, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... In other words, I'm in prison. I'm writing this from prison. I'm doing this because God has called me, the least of these, as a Jewish, a Jew among Jews, been saved by the grace of God on the Damascus Road, to bring you, especially Gentiles, the message. I'm in prison. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. Now, by the way, There is a few words, and I want you to do this. I meant to say before I started reading, that seemed to jump off the page as I was reading this, okay? One is incorporated in the title that I've already talked about. But there is another word that I might kind of pause or emphasize in a special way that may come into play not just during the points of the message, but also at the conclusion, Back to to verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. There's that word. That just, when I was reading this, that was especially just kept coming off the page. Made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it was, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things, his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. One theologian said this about verse 11. The Father planned it, the Son implemented it, and the Spirit empowered it, it, this mystery according to his eternal purpose the accomplishing Christ Jesus in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence I ask you therefore not to be discouraged 
church, folks, he's saying to the church at Ephesus, because of my suffering for you, which is for your glory. In other words, they were like, you're in prison, man. I kind of feel bad about this. I'm not sure how all this is going to work. He's saying, whoa, 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 we'll get to this. He's saying, whoa, 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 don't, don't be upset about me. God works through sufferings. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you're suffering in an unimaginable way or you thought it happened to somebody else. And for whatever reason, in the providence of God, and the sovereignty of God, you are suffering in some shape, form, or fashion. Maybe God is going to remind you today of something very practical. Though this is filled with doctrine and truths that we need to hold as a church and understand it also has a very practical element to it. The mystery worth reading. If you're taking notes, let's look at the first thing. The first major point is the mystery revealed. The mystery revealed will be understood better if we understand a specific definition of the kind of mystery he's talking about and a specific assignment that we've alluded to, that goes to the Apostle Paul. So let's look at both. First of all, the word mystery is used three times in this chapter, six times in the book of Ephesians. So it has great significance. Now, what does it mean? I like what John Stott once said. He's in heaven now, British theologian. Once Time Magazine ranked him among a hundred most influential people in the world. So let me explain his definition. I'll not use my British accent. I'm going to use my Mississippiness. This is what it says. In English, the word mystery is something dark, obscure, secret, puzzling. What is mysterious is inexplicable. Even incomprehensible. In the Greek, it means truths which, although beyond human discovery, have been revealed by God and so now belong openly to the entire church. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This helps us know how to live out the truths of the Christian life as long as we're here. This helps us know what glory in heaven our home will be one day. And this word in Ephesians helps us understand what this mystery means, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like what Chuck Swindoll said. He said, human birth may bring racial distinctions, but supernatural birth erases them. There is somewhat of a mystery between the Jews and the Gentile, and they were struggling. That's why Paul wrote this, to be one. And he's saying, you are one. That's what Christ has done on the cross. He's brought you together by supernatural birth, and only the Holy Spirit can help us understand that. He talks about this mystery in other places. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11, he talks about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 7, he talks about it. Listen to verse 7. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. This has always been God's plan to redeem lost man for all people. Now, he had a specific assignment for this apostle Paul. God gave him an assignment that was fulfilled while he was in prison. 
You know, sometimes we have an assignment by God. And we may think, God, you called me this assignment, but I sure didn't plan on being uh, faced with these kind of circumstances, with my job, with a sickness, with a wayward prodigal son, God. I don't understand this. And it may be that's exactly where God wants you to be or me to be for it to be a little more challenging. And so we'll what? Depend on God more to fulfill the assignment that he has for us. And so as difficult as life can be, And as troubled as the waters may become, we have to realize we're to look at life just like salvation with the eyes of faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and being certain of what you do not see. Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We trust him. So here's Paul. He has this assignment. He's in prison. He was there on behalf of the Gentiles to proclaim the good news was for them too. Regardless of how difficult the Jewish people were reacting with somewhat of a sense of spiritual privilege and racial superiority. And that never works. Never. It didn't work then and it doesn't work now. So before we go on to the next major point. We should never lock ourselves into what we're to be and do without allowing God to confirm it. We can see this in chapter 1 and verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. In other words, humanly speaking, we may thank God From everything I know as a believer, my prayer life, reading the scriptures, I have finally got a hold of what you've called me to do. I can relax for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Not so fast, my friend. He moves and works and he leads us to this point. And we have in our mind what he wants us to do. And we may be right on target. God is sovereign. But all of a sudden, we start doing that next assignment, that person we're called to share with, that life we're supposed to live, that career we're supposed to do and be involved in. And suddenly, there's some circumstances or some things that come along that may tweak exactly what we do or the time frame in which we do it. So we must be careful to seek God with all our heart, soul, and mind and listen to the voice of God through the Holy Spirit and his word. But we must be open to his change of lanes and direction and his map because I'm telling you, he'll do it like that. Have you ever done that? You've been thinking, all right, whoo, took me a while to get here, but I got it now. Here we go, Lord. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's a few months, maybe it's a few years, and all of a sudden he shows you, "Mm, young Harold, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this this way. You're supposed to change this in your life. You're supposed to, and that's what we learn from this. We learn that God is God and we are not. We learn that our ways are not his ways. Isaiah 55 reminds us of that. And we're reminded that 
When we follow God's will, we'll continue to seek him with all our heart, soul, and mind, our face in his word, our face in prayer, which we're about to get to, and we realize he may tweak it along the way. There is the mystery revealed. But secondly, there is the mystery applied. How can we apply this even further? Through the spreading of the good news and through supplication, the gospel and prayer. Let's break it down. The spreading of the good news as the least of these. And remember, that's what the Apostle Paul said. I am the greatest of sinner. I am the least of these. I was a Pharisee among Pharisee. I was Jew among Jew. And God has called me after he saved me to share the message with the Gentiles. Didn't see that coming. He's spreading the good news through what? The church. There are a lot of parachurch organizations out there. I've been a part of some of those. Some of you may be involved in those, and they can be fantastic. Great way to share the gospel. But the church is God's idea. He birthed the church. There are two institutions that God has ordained, the family and the church. And so we have to understand how important it is to be a part of God's church, the church of Jesus Christ. Paul was amazed that a religious zealot would be given by God to share with those most unlike him. Only God can do that. The other thing we see, it was a reminder that the church... That the church is God's idea and not anyone's else. And no matter what COVID did or what anything else does, you need to understand. We are to be involved in the church of Jesus Christ that God puts us in. It is amazing to see when God puts people in the church and they use their different gifts and abilities what he can do. Right now, we've got children over there. And there's some of us that if we were asked to go over there and be a part of that, we'd think, I'm not your man. There's some of us that say, and the boiled peanut giveaway we had last Friday to our community. If, if somebody were to ask me to crank up that machine that boiled the peanuts, I'd say, I'm not your man, I'll blow us up. <laughs> but there's some guys and gals who are involved in the preparation of that. They were using their gifts and abilities. There were others that were directing traffic. There was another nut out there in a peanut outfit. There were those that were involved in different ways, being who God made them to be for the glory of Christ, planting peanuts, planting seeds of the gospel for the glory of God. That's the church at work. Some of you have been teaching Sunday school for years and decades. That's the church at work. Some of you have been praying. There's some people praying right now during this hour. That's the church at work. I could go on and on. People up here doing this, leading us in worship musically. That's the church at work. That's what we're to be out. The church be about. That is the church. It is God's idea. Another way of application is on Wednesdays. We've got about four weeks. I've set aside at 6 o'clock with the adults that are in here, not in here with the children of the youth. They're in there, and we're talking about, and we're learning through this together, how to share our faith without fear. It's not always easy to be involved in personal evangelism. How do we witness to people? We don't beat them over the head with a huge Bible. We share the love of Christ through our testimony and different 
different uh, tools that we're going to discuss. And the reason we're doing that is we're the church, and it's an assignment that we have. It's called the Great Commission, but that doesn't mean it's easy. And every once in a while, we need to be equipped and be reminded of how important it is. So we're taking a period of time to do that. That is the church at work. But then there's this prayer. He says, come boldly unto the throne of grace. And it's mentioned in another passage. So you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And especially when suffering. It's in the text. When is the last time in your devotional time, wherever that is, Jesus would get along with the Father. Jesus would get along with the Father early in the morning. Some are not morning people. You do it in the middle of the day, at night. We shouldn't be legalistic here, but we need to do it in the time that fits us, and we need to do it, and we need to practice. We need to worship the Lord privately. Oh, that's so important. So important. So important. Did I tell you it was important? Abiding in Christ. I don't know about you, but in the last week or two, there was at least one time, probably several times, and some of you have had the same thing. You're facing something that you just cannot figure out. God, I don't know what to do. I've had times like that. And a number of times, even in the last week or so, and it may be a situation in your family. It may be a situation in your church family. It may be work-related. It may be something with your friends. I don't know what it might be. It might be something about the future. It might be you're worked up about something you did in the past and, and the, Satan keeps reminding you of it with those fiery darts. I don't know what it is. But there's sometimes, and I feel like this is approaching God boldly saying, Dear God, please help me. I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to handle this. God, help me. We should have that kind of relationship with Christ that we'll come to him like that. That's praying boldly unto the throne of grace. And it could be, it's like the good and bad of hard times or difficulties or crisis or sufferings or whatever it is. I don't know about you, but when it's going on, I'm not necessarily pumped about it. He says to rejoice in it. Why? Because of what's going to happen, the end result. Because as believers, we realize, man, I can't figure this out. I get on my knees and pray and say, God, help me. God, help me. That is exactly what the apostle Paul did. He was in prison. He was suffering. When I read what historians say about those conditions, <laughs> even in Philippians, the theme was joy, and he was in a sorry, terrible prison. I think, whoo, I'll be ashamed of myself if I don't have it bad. So Paul reminded them, don't be uptight about me. I ask you, verse 12, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, which are for your glory. God can help you, too, with whatever trial you face. But you have to look, and I have to look 
with the eyes of faith, trusting in the sovereignty of God. Now, years ago, there was a Sunday school teacher named Julia Johnston that knew how important it was to break down in a simplistic way the truths and the doctrines of the gospel. She wrote a lot of hymns. It says she penned in one resource text. She penned text for more than 500 hymns. But there's only one that was widely known And it powerfully teaches this essential Christian truth. You cannot out-sin God's grace. You remember I told you that I kept seeing the word mystery pop off the page? And I said at the end, I'm going to tell you the other one. You probably saw it. It was grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. So... It's based on Romans chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Now, here's what that verse says. The gift of God is not like the results of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if... By the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Romans 5, 16 through 17. So, as I thought about that hymn, grace greater than our sin that I grew up with. Many of you did too. We've sung it here before. And I knew that I had some family members that were going to be here. And I knew that one of them, my daughter, who's here today, when she was growing up, was accustomed to me surprising her. She sings. Her mother prayed that our two children, Trey and Haley, would be able to sing God's truths. Literally, when she was carrying them, she prayed both. And you're, some of you are thinking, yeah, because you don't sing very well. And she, <laughs> Kelly is a great singer too, musician, and so they both could sing by themselves. And so... Uh, you know, we have our children are different. Um, Trey was like, "Don't you call on me." I got to know. Haley was like, "Dad, you didn't say anything about me today in your sermon." <laughs> They're all different. So the one that said, "Dad, you didn't say anything about me," the one that would sing. I, I, I preached at an inner city church years ago when Haley was in high school in Memphis. Uh, an all-black church, and she didn't. Uh, she, I didn't know for sure she was going to come. She was there. She went to Briarcrest in Memphis area, and her mom was there. And I thought, Haley just needs to sing "Amazing Grace" a cappello. And man, she jumped up there, knocked it out of the park. It was great. They didn't remember my sermon, but they remembered that song. 
Now, she's here today, and I started thinking, I'm going to do this maybe to Haley. I've got, the, I've got the hymn. I thought, first and third stanza, I'll get Haley to sing the main part, and I'll jump in there, because they don't ever ask me to sing with them. <laughs> I have to do this thing to be able to, you know, to jump in there and plug in. But then I started thinking later, I thought, mm, yeah. <laughs> I need to involve some other family members. Did you hear my daughter say, yeah. And then I especially realized that because young Braven, my grandson, he's down here and he's not feeling so good. So I thought, wow, maybe that means that Logan and I are to sing a duet. Or maybe it means that, Braven's down there smiling, maybe it means that uh, KK is to come up here and we're, the three of us are to sing and Haley stays with Braven. Or maybe Haley's supposed to come and, and Braven stays with KK while we sing. I'm going to let them figure that out real quick and then I'm going to remind everybody. Listen to the words of the song, especially when they're singing. And understand, grace, grace, God's grace it's God's grace it's such a mystery in the divine providence of God that he would make a plan to save all men from their sin regardless of where they're born their culture the color of their skin it's God's grace that any of us can be saved and fulfill our mission Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace. God's grace, grace that is pardoned and cleansed within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. I know that. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace Receive. Let's stand and sing it with us. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is pardoned and cleansed within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is. Thank you. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity to respond to your message. 
It may be privately. It might be singing with enthusiasm. It may be praying at the altar. Whatever it is, God, I pray all the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.